Okay, you guys, welcome to the podcast. This is the Julie Jepson podcast. It's the JJ podcast, whatever you want it to be. I am here with, I almost called her Laura Ethington because we went to high school together. Olympus Titans. (laughs) That's right, but it is Laura Griffiths. She also is responsible for all of you that are asking me, well, who does your hair? In fact, I've had two people text me this week. Have you had any new clients all? Yes. Um, She does my hair. And she has made me try some new things where I'm like, I don't know. She tints my eyebrows. I'm like, she's like, do you want to tint your eyebrows? I'm like, I don't know. Do I? <laughs> and she just makes me look good. I mean, look at her. I mean, she makes herself look good and I just, you know, boost it a little. <laughs> That's right. So I was like, you know, Laura has been through a lot more than most moms, more than a lot of women, at least physically. Um, and so I wanted to talk to her about what has happened to her and her cancer journey. But as, as, but before then... First of all, tell us who you are. I mean, what do you want to know? <laughs> How many kids you have? I'm, I'm Laura. I'm I'm married to Brian Griffiths, and then we have two little kids, and they're awesome. Yep, I do hair for a living and just love it. Love okay. talking to people. So yes. So which yep. is your natural hair color? Oh boy. I mean, you can see my roots right there. <laughs> that right there is my natural, but we don't have to. We don't have to talk about that. <laughs> I'm not going going great yet, as far as I'm aware, right? I color my hair too much to know. So. Oh, it's so good. Okay, so tell me first. I brought her on because she is the epitome of grit, oh, this girl, so nice. and her whole family, in fact. <laughs> so tell me, let's just get right into hardship. One thing I love about Laura is that she's super open. She's willing to talk about all of it, which is, makes her also a great hairdresser. Because not only are you in therapy, but she's she's like she responds and she reacts to your stories and she's asking questions about your life and then you in turn ask questions about hers. So I've learned a lot about her life, but tell me where kind of your hardship in life started. I mean, it's honestly, so I served a mission after high school and I went to Brazil and when I was out on my mission, my dad, you know, you get that dreaded phone call. My dad was sick. I was maybe three months from coming home. And my dad was sick, and so they asked if I wanted to come home. They didn't know if he was going to make it. He had an autoimmune disease, really rare, and they hadn't caught it for almost a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, you know, he was stable, and they thought maybe he would be doing better. So I decided to stay out on my mission. But a few months after I got back from my mission, he ended up passing away from that autoimmune disease, mm-hmm. and that was it. Was hard. I mean, it's, you just never think that you're going to be that person that loses a parent in your early 20s, right? So that kind of was the start of, like, my life. What was it called? <laughs> really what did he die from? Wegener's granulomatosis. Oh, my god! And so, but ultimately, he died from um, shingles. Like, mm. he wasn't taking, because he was immune suppressed. So he had shingles head to toe, in his nose, on his eye. I mean, you everywhere. Like, like, cold sores. Everywhere. Oh, my gosh. It was so bad. Like, his suffering was so intense. Six and a half weeks in the hospital. Just watching him every day suffer. Mm. It was terrible. And I think it just, you know, like, we had all this faith. Like, oh, he can be healed. And we really believed that. But it just got to the point where it, you know, like, it just, it was enough was enough. Mm-hmm. Like, his doctors mm-hmm. were like, we'll go as long as you want to go. Like, we can keep him alive. But Was he, like, coherent was, or not even? He... It was the second week into this because his shingles was so bad externally oh, and it, it internally was internally too. too. They said what his outside looked like is what his inside looked like. Oh my god! Like they had surgeons flying in from all over the United States just to look at his case. It was so severe. Oh my gosh. And so, but second week into the hospital, he slipped into a coma because mm-hmm. of so much trauma, like internal trauma. Mm-hmm. And when he woke up, he actually was um, completely paralyzed from the neck down because of nerve damage. From the shingles. From the shingles. 
so gosh. he was coherent, but we had to work up a whole system with how to communicate with him, like the alphabet, like we would point to a letter and he would nod or, Wait, you know, let me make sure you're on. Yes, we're on. Let me just test the sound. Okay. Okay. Keep going. Okay. So, so yeah, so it was hard. I mean, it was really hard. Like it was a really hard thing to go through. I mean, watching your parents suffer mm -hmm. so bad. And Are then, you the baby? I'm the baby, but I'm the youngest of six. Okay. And so, yeah, so it was, it was rough and I was just fresh off my mission. So I was weird anyway, <laughs> you know, like you're just in a weird state and it was hard. And so, yeah, we watched him pass away and just, mm -hmm. it was time, you know, mm -hmm. but I think the, the weird thing about that whole situation, like, honestly, after that happened, I was like, okay, we did it. Like. Heavenly Father is going to like check the box. They're yes. like, hey, the Weddingtons, like, they're done. Their trial, and now they're done. Like, I really believe that. I've thought the same thing with my family, and I'm like, no, 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 stop. No, it's Uncle. Yeah, seriously. It's like, okay. Like, I was so naive. I, like, looking back at my naive, positive self, I'm like, okay. Like, we're done. I had no idea. I thought we were done. But it wasn't like within a few years after my dad's passing, my we were trying to figure out, my brother was having all of these issues. My brother, Michael Ethington, he's a piano artist, has CDs out. He's amazing and fun and funny. Like everyone loves Michael. He is like our family, mm -hmm. right? Like he's mm -hmm. just the best. And he was having all of these issues and he had gone through all of these diagnoses and just trying to figure out what was going on with him and all of this degeneration in his muscles. And um, just a few years after my dad passed away, they, they think that he had um, ALS. They're not sure if it's ALS now because he's been alive for, that was like 11 years ago. Really? Or maybe actually even more. They don't know that, but if that's what it is. They're not, they don't think it's ALS, but it is a degenerative mm. disease that is most likely going to be terminal. Mm. So that was a huge hit, obviously, for our family. Like, there's no way, like, he could have ALS. Like, he could die in five, six years, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And, like, his life has been preserved, which is amazing and yeah. incredible, but he's still... I mean, he has it yeah, and yeah. all the degeneration. And so it's, you know. And slowly deteriorates. Yeah. So it's just like watching him decline. Yeah. Just slowly. All the time. And, and I mean, we're grateful for the time that we've had with him, right? Mm -hmm. But shortly after Michael's uh, diagnosis of that, um, my mom was diagnosed with a terminal cancer. And we were like, there's no way. Like, I'm 20. Like, I'm like 20, I would have been maybe 20, 23, 24 at the time. And I'm sitting here thinking like, I'm going to be an orphan. Like my parents are going to pass away in my twenties. What was her cancer? I don't think so I So she that. has, um, Weg she has, not Wegener, she has, um, lymphoma. Like now? I mean, uh -huh. she's still alive? I know. We've been like so blessed. Like all of us are like, we always laugh because we're like, we have one foot in the grave. <laughs> like one foot on land. Like we're all just... Like, it's kind of, we just tease each other because yeah. it's like a race to the finish. Like, who's, you know, what's going to happen? <laughs> and it's not the race you want to win. It's not the race you want to be in. <laughs> but no, it was, it was, we really have been blessed. Like, I really feel like our lives have been preserved, but mm. it's been hard. So my mom, like, she's had all of these cancers. Like, when they found her, uh, when they found her original diagnosis, mm -hmm. they went in and scanned her whole body and they actually found a huge tumor in her kidney, which was a completely separate kidney cancer. So like... My dad had kidney cancer. Oh, really? And they removed his That's kidney. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah like so, a fist-sized tumor. Yeah, she kidney. had a huge tumor and like would have never known until it probably could have been too late, right? Mm -hmm. So that was lucky. And then, you know, within the past maybe like eight years after... I, I mean, I'm probably getting all this timeline wrong, right? It's all like... Well, I try so, to forget so about much. it all. <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to remember the trauma, but 
she's um yeah her cancer morphed and we almost lost her and then she recovered from that but she's had like four different cancers in the past like 12 years well, and you said so, it was terminal, but maybe it, it just wasn't? Um, they just, I mean, it is, it's a slow-moving no, cancer. Slow. Mm. It's really slow. So they say, like, we can catch it, but it'll just come back. Mm. And then that cancer actually turned into a more aggressive cancer, which is why she almost died mm. of that one. But then with everything that she's done, like, it's just, she's just been, we've been blessed. Wow. Like, we've been really lucky. she's still here. Yeah, and she's still here. And she's like... 15 years ago? I Yeah. I mean, wow. and she's still like, she's vibrant. Like we ride bikes together. We do race. I mean, she's just like the glue of our family. Like it has been such a blessing that mm -hmm. she's alive, but it's been hard. I mean, it's been a lot of it, touch and go. Yeah. You know, like, and, and then we move on to you or was there something in between? I mean, there's a lot. In, <laughs> what is, I, I told Julie, she's like, we probably need like half hour. I'm like, oh no, we're going to need like <laughs> five hours. <laughs> I mean, just to sum it up, I mean, Throughout this period, you know, like everything going on with my mom, everything going on with my brother, um, you know, having lost my dad, but then like Brian and I, we went through seven years of infertility. Yeah. So we're part of like yeah. the infertility club, which you don't want to be a part of. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, I feel like we just like keep adding on the clubs that we're a part of. Mm -hmm. Right. And, um, and then also around the time, um, about 2000 and I, th I believe 2017, 2018, um, my brother-in-law took his life. And so that was a huge hit. My mom had just kicked cancer's butt. Like she had just finished her chemotherapy and everything that she was doing. And then my brother-in-law took his life, which was such a hit, right? Cause it's like, here my mom's like fighting yeah. the world to just be to here. stay alive. And, and then right after that, yeah, Scott passed away, which was like terrible. So now we're part of the suicide in the family club, mm -hmm. right? Like mm -hmm. it just has been, so like life is just hard and it's like you like what you said like kind of I think of your family like you get through this wave and then you like come up for air and you're like okay <laughs> and then you get hit with the wave again mm -hmm. and like Brian and I kind of have this ongoing joke because um one of Brian's sisters is always like okay like 2018 is our year it's gonna be a good year and then we're like 2018 sucked <laughs> and then it's like 2019 is our year and then we're like that was like 2019 was terrible you know <laughs> So, I mean, we've, we've gone through, we've had some hard hits, but, yeah. and then, so after Scott passed away and we kind of revamped from that, I mean, as much as you can, right. Yeah. Then I was diagnosed with cancer. Um, it was, a everyone always asks, so I'll just explain it just because I think people are curious. Mm -hmm. Um, I had nursed Deanna for like seven months and, um, and then I ran out of milk. And so I stopped nursing her and she was maybe a year and a half. And I was just sitting at the kitchen table and I just felt like a, you know how like when you're nursing, you just feel like you just can feel when your milk lets down. Let down. Yeah. Yeah. It felt like let down. And I looked down and I just had this little like quarter size wet spot. And I was like, weird. I'm like, what the heck was that? And well, I cause, honestly. Because you were done nursing. Yeah, I was done nursing. I had like, how long had it been? Maybe like a year after. A year and you had let down. Yeah. Like, and I, and so I was like, okay, so I, I get on Google cause Google knows everything. Mm -hmm. Right. And a lot of women were like, Oh, I've been done nursing for five years and I still will get discharged. And so I honestly thought it's probably just, it was probably Locked just over. like a clogged up little yeah. duct and it just finally released and I'm good. Oh, cause to this go. is TMI, but you can actually, I mean, I've tried this in my <laughs> sister's like you can squeeze yeah, your yeah. nipple and some yeah, leftover will still totally. come out. No, and it is even, like even it's to this day, my baby's three. Yeah, and it's just out of curiosity. You're like, I wonder if they're 
if there's anything in there still. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so the weird thing, like a little before this happened, and I don't know if I told you this, but um, before that happened, I had had a dream, and I don't dream about my dad very often, mm. but I had had a dream, and he came to me, and he just, he, he expressed that he loved me, and then he said, by the way, you have cancer. And so, and then I woke up, and so I called my mom, and just jokingly, because I didn't think anything of it, like just jokingly, I called my mom, I'm like, well, dad saw me, and he says I, has can I have cancer, and my mom's like, well, did you ask him what kind? And we just laughed about it, right? Because it, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not a big vivid dreamer yeah, in yeah. the sense of like, oh, yeah. like a vision. But, right. but it was weird because that kind of like sat with me. And how long after for did a while? you have the, the I don't income? even remember like timeline wise. It wasn't that long after. Mm. But then I had that little blurb of, you know, the discharge. And I thought it was weird. But then after reading online, I'm like, okay, it's normal. But then the thought of your dream. But it's here, weird right? because I just, I had this naggy, I don't know how to explain it. It was the spirit. Like people, totally. Like people would totally, like, I don't know, agree. Like there's just, I think some people call it intuition. Some people call it the spirit. Like whatever it is to people. Like for me, I felt like my whole journey was like given to me. Like mm -hmm. which sounds so weird, but it was just a gift for me, like the way that everything happened, like I really felt like it was just given to me mm. to preserve my life mm. because I had this naggy feeling and then my mom and Brian, they kept being like, oh, you got to check it out. Like, like you need to go to the doctor, get a mammogram scheduled. And I'm like, it's fine. Like, it's fine. But every time, you know, when you crisscross to take a shirt off, mm -hmm. every time I would bump that side, it was tender. Mm. Like, you know, before you, you know, I mean, it's like so much information, but before you get your period, how you just get tender there. Yeah. And so it was kind of tender, but always. And so every time that I would bump it and it was tender, that thought of like my mom and, and my, my husband, they were like, go get it checked. So finally, like six or seven months after the discharge, I finally made that an long. appointment. Mm with my OB and- Did you um, ever have that letdown experience again? No. It was just that one. Yeah, it was just that one time. So I go into my OBGYN and I love her. She's great. And to this day, she still takes credit for, for <laughs> finding my cancer, which is funny. Who was because it again? Dr. Hebert. Yes. Okay. And so I'm sitting in her office and she's like, okay, like, let me tell you all the reasons why you could have discharge. She's like, cancer isn't discharge unless it's bloody. So I don't think it's cancer mm. and cancer doesn't hurt. Which mm -hmm. is weird because those were my only two symptoms is it hurt. So you're feeling good. So I'm like, okay, good. Yeah. And she's like, listen, like your prolactin could be off and that could cause discharge. Like mm -hmm. prolactin is just a hormone, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. She's like, so let's get your prolactin checked and then we'll see tomorrow like how it, how it looks, how it's going. And so I left and as I was walking out the door, I'm like, well, should I keep my mammogram on Friday? Like two days later, she's like, might as well. And that's what she always talks about. She's like, and then I told her. <laughs> <laughs> might as well keep it and I'm like okay that's gonna like, be the thumbnail <laughs> might as well might as well and I'm like I mean you basically told me none of my symptoms were cancer but so but was, she did a breast check didn't uh -huh. she didn't like no anything. lumps nothing and so she's like you might as well just go get it checked so the next morning I wake up and I check my you know like my health and my prolactin was fine mm. and I just had this weird underlying feeling I just felt like I had cancer it was just it's weird it's what you're saying like I think you just feel it mm -hmm. and whatever you call that intuition or mm -hmm. the spirit like mm -hmm. and so I go Friday you know to my mammogram and they do everything and I'm sitting in the Is room. Is this your first mammogram too? Yeah ever because mm -hmm. I was 30 I would have been 36 mm -hmm. and why so, did you even schedule one then? Just because just of the because. yeah because okay. of the discharge and so they just recommend it right like oh I mean might as well yeah 
So I go to the mammogram. They do like the, um, they do the mammogram and then they also do the, um, what is it? Oh, I can't think of it. Like, uh, I'll, I'll think of it in a minute. But, um, they were like, things look pretty good. Like, we'll let and the... And then they just do the boob smash. Yeah, but then they also do... What is it when you go and, like, see your baby? What's ultrasound? that called? Ultrasound. Okay. So they did an ultrasound and a mammogram on is the breast. Is it ultrasound just like that? Mm -hmm. Really? Yeah, because the ultrasound picks up different Why do they even do things. an ultrasound? Because it, of Yeah, because it just picks mentioned? up different things. Because they didn't do so, it to me. Yeah, isn't that weird? So but it wasn't anything, like, out it's of the ordinary. Like, it, just... I think, like, because the mammogram will pick up masses... But the ultrasound picks up like different tissues, mm. so it's just an extra precaution. Mm. And the mammogram, he's like, things look really good. He's like, I'm not seeing anything. So I'm sitting in the room waiting for the radiologist to come in. And he sit and while I'm sitting there, I just say a little prayer and I just say, Heavenly Father, I feel like there's more. Is there gonna be more? Like, is this cancer? And I just had this weird, like this warm feeling, like enter my head, like go through my body, leave my toes, and I just was like I have cancer. No way. It was so weird. And it and and then the door opens and the radiologist comes in and he's like, "Listen. He's like, you have these weird little spots. He's like they're they're um they're like little calcium deposits." He's like, "Which is really normal. It's a breast. It makes milk, mm -hmm. so calcium." Mm -hmm. He's like, "But what we want to do is we want to go in and biopsy and just, you know, just to be safe, just to make sure and um he's was that like, only detected on the ultrasound yeah huh. or on the sorry the mammogram not the ultrasound okay the ultrasound didn't pick it up so so i was like okay and in my heart i'm like oh my gosh like i really felt like there was more so did you tell the doctor what you no. felt yeah i was just like hey like you just feel like you're like a cow being herded right they're like you need to do x y and z this is the doctor you're gonna call this is the you know like this is what you're gonna do like you gotta schedule um, for this biopsy mm -hmm. and so I think like a week or two later I go in for the biopsy and th what they do is they they put you in a mammogram machine but you're on your belly and you're laying in like a hole and then they squish you in the machine and then they take a needle and they insert the needle like right next to where the calcium deposits are. Did it hurt? It, yeah <laughs> it like numbs as it goes but it, it hurts and so they put this tiny little they call it a little clip and what the clip does is it marks where the cancer is, right? They, it marks where they take the tissue out mm -hmm. of um, so that they know where to go back if it is cancerous. And if it's not cancer, then you just can have the little clips in there so they know kind of your mm -hmm. history. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, she had this. We, we biopsied it. It was fine. There's a clip. Um, and if it's cancer, then they take out the clip. They take everything with the, mm. you know. So I went in and um, they biopsied and came back as being cancerous. So then my next step was a lumpectomy, right? But wait, whoa, we're just brushing <laughs> over like the cancer diagnosis. So how did they yeah. tell you? Yeah, you got a so, so yeah, oh yeah. I mean, it was so weird. But you probably were surprised. I was like surprised, but not because it was just like. I knew there was something more. Okay, so it, this is a weird thing. So, <laughs> well, it, uh, yeah, I mean, it all leads into a bigger thing, but basically, yeah. So they, they take out the little piece of tissue biopsy it and then I get a call and um, from the doctor and I, I just remember exactly where I was sitting sitting outside on my back patio like beautiful night mm. and um, and the doctor just said you have cancer and you have DCIS was ductal carcinoma in situ and he said some doctors like it's so it's such a small cancer like it's it's a non-aggressive cancer but some doctors won't even call it cancer yet but it will 
turn, turn into, into cancer. If you said some call it cancer, some don't. Hmm. So DCIS kind of it's common. Like I've actually met a lot of women who have had DCIS. Hmm. Is that and breast so, cancer? Mm-hmm. Okay. And so he's like, hey, this is what you're gonna do. Like you're gonna call so and so. You gotta go see this doctor. You're gonna meet with, um, you're gonna meet with a general surgeon, and you're gonna figure out the next step is a lumpectomy. You know, to take out like take out a piece. So they take out like a chunk of skin, a breast tissue, and then they um, they look at it and make sure that they got the any cancer right. Mm. So a lumpectomy was my next step. What and did he so, say? Did they explain why it didn't hurt and why, no. where the discharge came from? No, like I wasn't even really like they didn't even spot a lump. Like my only thing were like these little calcium deposits. They mm. were like, they were just. It was like a very minimal and they, little. So cancer. the biopsy was just on one of them. Uh huh. Like but then the, if you have a lumpectomy, lumpectomy, they were are they grabbing all of them? Uh huh. Because they were all kind of in the same spot. Okay. And so I go and get the lumpectomy. And that's a surgery. I, invasive yeah. surgery. Yeah. So they put you under and everything. I I met with my surgeon. It's funny because. The doctor kind of downplayed it, right? Like, oh, DCIS, it's a little, it's a little cancer, la la la. But then when I met with my surgeon, he was like, you have the most aggressive form of DCIS. He said, it's non-aggressive, but you have the most aggressive form of it. And he said, so this is what we do. We do, we do the surgery, we take it out. Um, if, if everything looks good, then you're going to do five weeks of consistent radiation, um, just to kill everything. And then after the radiation, then you have to go and take a um, tamoxifen, which is a hormone. It basically puts you in early menopause. It mm. it takes your hormones away so that you don't you're not growing cancer, right? Because mm. I had a progesterone positive mm. cancer, mm. and so I'm sitting there thinking like that sounds huge. Yeah, and like we were just getting ready to try for our. We wanted to extend our family. Like, yeah. Um, after Deanna, I had to wait two years because I had a C-section. And a really thin uterus. So mm -hmm. the doctor was like, you have to wait two years. And it was literally a week before that mark of mm. trying that I found my cancer. Mm. And so I was like, this is huge. Like, so now like we have seven years of infertility. Like we have this little tiny family and we want to extend it. But now like I'm possibly like now I'm going through breast cancer. I have to do radiation and then taking a pill for like 10 years or however long to make sure my cancer doesn't come back. And like I, I, like you feel it's oh, scary. Yeah, it's daunting and overwhelming. Yeah, and I was like, hey, this changes like my whole trajectory in life. Yeah, like yeah, everything that you think that your life is gonna. And your be. mom's probably like, you'll be fine. Oh, please, I've had it for fifteen years. <laughs> She's like, whatever. <laughs> I think what you were saying, like, it's like the hard. The nice thing with going through trials is that like. People who have been there just have like empathy for it. Mm -hmm. Like it's hard to have empathy until you've been through it. Mm -hmm. And I think that like it sounds weird to say, but like being in all of these situations, like losing a parent, like having a brother with a, a terminal illness and a mom with cancer and a brother-in-law who committed suicide, like and then you lost your niece. Oh yeah, like my niece passed away. Like I mean, it's it's been rough, like infertility, but it makes me like. Like how you say, like being a hairstylist, like I just feel like I can connect so well with people mm -hmm. because I've just been through so much. Mm -hmm. And like people that always try to like put on a perfection, like I don't, I don't want to feel like I can't connect with someone because they're perfect. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. like for me, I connect with people that are like, yes, like that was so hard. Oh my gosh, I went through that was so hard. Mm -hmm. And so it's made me like such a better person just to really understand, like, I really care about mm -hmm. people. Like, mm -hmm. I really feel people's pain. Like, 
in things that they go through. Like, it, life is hard. Yeah. yeah <laughs> it's no so kidding. hard. I mean, like, like for you, you know, like just being able to connect with women who have, who are single moms. Mm -hmm. Like, no one knows what it's like to be a single mom until you are, you right. know. So, right. yeah, it's, it's been a journey. But, um, so I had my lumpectomy. And um, after my lumpectomy, I just remember waking up that night and I just said a little prayer again. And I said, I feel like there's going to be more to this. And I said, just, is there going to be more to this? You Gosh, know, in dang this it, you're like prayer, haunted. It was so weird. Like I just, because like here I just undergone a lumpectomy and um, you know, surgeons like everything went well and we think we got it all. And so I'm sitting there and I just asked again, I said, I just had this underlying feeling like there's going to be more, like this is going to be bigger than what we think. And I just, same thing. I just felt that, that warmth, just like enter my body. And I just knew, yes, this is going to be bigger. It's going to be more. And I was like, okay, like I was gearing up for it. Mm. So the next day I get a call from the surgeon and he's like, good news. Like we took out the lump. He's like, you had a tiny little speck of cancer. And he's like, we got it all. So go ahead and do your radiation, like go forth with the steps. But he's like, it was so little, like you're good. And I was like happy, but I was like super confused because like I had just felt so strongly that there was going to be more like, unex I, you can't explain it. Yeah. And my, even Brian was like, you seem like kind of disappointed a little. And I'm like, that's because I had such a spiritual feeling that, that this was going to be more of a journey for me. And so I'm just confused. I'm happy. I'm just confused because either like, I don't know how to pray and receive mm -hmm. <laughs> answers mm -hmm. or like, I, I was just confused, Yeah. but I was really happy. So I went on living my life and six months pass and then I'm due for my next mammogram. And so I go in, get my mammogram and I'm sitting in the room and the radiologist comes in. He's like, is it still tender at this point? Nope. Okay. I mean, things were like healed up and mm -hmm. I, like, I kind of, I just went back to normal, like mentally, physically, and um, just living my life. And the radiologist comes in, he's like, okay. He's like, let me show you your, you know, your mammogram. He said, you have all of these little calcifications, but that can be really normal with scar tissue. So we just want to watch them. So just make sure that you keep coming every six months for the first couple of years and we'll watch these little spots. Mm. And so I was like, okay, yay, sounds good. Like clean bill of health. My mom was there. She came to every mammogram with me because she knows yeah. how, like, yeah. like you need somebody to be there. Like yeah. if you get bad news, you know, like you want to go out and have that person. Yeah. So we went over to Costco and we're just shopping around Costco and just laughing, having fun. And I get a call from the hospital and I'm like, okay, so I answer it. This is the same day as your appointment? Same day, like an hour, like maybe an hour or two later. And it's the radiologist. And he's like, he's like, I was looking back on your mammogram and I'm, I'm just confused. I just had a question. He said, have you had more than one biopsy? And I said, nope, I just only ever had that one biopsy. And he's like, okay, you still have your biopsy clip in your breast. And that's not supposed to be there? No, because remember, like, if they take out the biopsy clip in the lumpectomy, like, if you have cancer, that biopsy clip is marking your cancer. Yeah. So when you get a lumpectomy, that needs to go, because that's marking where your cancer was, right? They freaking left it in there? Yeah, he left the clip in my breast. And what would happen if that stayed? Well, and that's what infection? I asked him, because I was so confused. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm like... So if I still have the biopsy clip that was marking my cancer, does that mean that I still have cancer? Yeah. Because that makes sense, right? Like that needed to go. And he's like, I have never seen this happen before, ever. 
He's like, in all my time, I've never seen a biopsy clip left. He said, we let your surgeon know he's going to touch base with you and you can talk to him about next steps. And I was like, well, I mean, I, I mean, I just had so much swarming in my head. Like, this is crazy. Like, what does this mean? Like, what do I do? Where do I go from here? Like, this is nuts. Mm -hmm. And I just asked him, I said, okay, like last question, if I were your wife or your child, like, how would you, like, is this pretty disconcerting? And he's like, yeah. He's like, it's pretty disconcerting. And like, so, like as far as this, the surgeon was negligent, meaning? Like, meaning that, yeah, like it should have, they should have gotten the biopsy clip. But out. fast forward and it was a blessing. I mean, it, I like, I right? like to because, think of it as okay. such. Okay, keep, right? keep going, keep going. <laughs> so, I mean, so much confusion just ran through my mind. Like, I, you can just imagine, like, I was like, well, what does this mean? What do I do? Where do I go? So I called, first thing called my oncologist mm -hmm. and set up a meeting with my oncologist, waited to hear from my surgeon, which I didn't hear from him for days. So finally I started to call his office. I left messages, didn't hear from him, didn't hear from him. And finally was able to talk to my surgeon. Like I remember every, like exactly where I was. Like this just is like so like Ingraining imprinted memory, on yeah. my memory. But I said to my surgeon, I said, there, you know, the clip is there. What does that mean? He's like, oh, sometimes when you're pulling out the tissue, like the clip can drop back in. I'm not overly worried about it. And I said to him, well, we want to start a family or not start a family. We want to continue our family. If I get pregnant right now, is that going to be harmful considering I have a progesterone positive cancer? He's like, you should be fine. As long as you keep up on your mammograms, you should be fine to get pregnant. You're like, well, the other guy said that this was not supposed to be left. Yeah. But my surgeon who was a general surgeon just totally played it all off. Like didn't act concerned. I had like a lot of questions for him and he's like, he's like, I'll tell you what, tomorrow, Thursday morning, all of the surgeons get together and we all talk about our patients and their cases. So I will bring it up and then see what people recommend and then I'll let you know. I'll call you back and let you know. And so I was like, okay, never heard from him. Oh my gosh. Never called. So anyway, so I just continued following the spirit or intuition. You know, I don't want to just assume that. Yeah, yeah. But, um... I met with my oncologist and he told me also, he's like, I have been an oncologist for 30 years and I have never seen this happen ever. Well, and this is a specialist, right? Yeah. An oncologist. Yes. And then a general surgeon is just general. Yes. So you're probably thinking I'm going to take this. Yeah, totally. And he said, my recommendation, you have to get out of IMC. He's like, you can't go to the, you cannot go to the group here because they all cover each other's backs. Yeah. And so he's like, I have this amazing surgeon. Um, he said her name's Dr. Teresa Reading. She's at LDS Hospital. She is a specialist. She's a general surgeon who specializes in uh, mastectomies, lumpectomies, which I didn't know. Like, why don't people tell you that? That's what mm -hmm. I mean. Like, when you feel like a cow, they're like, you're going to call this doctor. He's going to do X, Y, and Z. And you're just following. And you're like, yeah. And then you get the number, you call the doctor. But I didn't even know that there's a specialist who does mm. all of that. So I called Dr. Reading, and she was so amazing. Like she was so like, she sat down with me for like an hour and we talked about all the pros and cons. Do I do a, do I do a, a large incision lumpectomy where they would take out like a, like it basically would have like removed everything I had. Right. Cause I was small breasted, but she was like, it would take out like a racquetball size lump hmm. to make sure they really got it. And she said, but the thing you have to know at DCIS, it will almost always come back. Hmm. So she's like, you might just be kicking the ball down the road. 
And so then the next step is, well, do I do a single like mastectomy? Like, do I just take off one? Do I take off both? I mean, it's a huge decision. Yeah. Huge. Yeah. And I had several clients. In fact, I had two clients on the same day who had breast cancer in their past who just did a single, you know, mastectomy and regretted it. And they were like, if I were to do it again, I would have done both, peace of mind, symmetry, like everything. Mm. And so I just felt like my whole journey was like so inspired and so led. And um, I met with this awesome plastic surgeon, Dr. Dr. Hijawi. He is so phenomenal at what he does. Mm. Um, he's one of the first surgeons that came to Utah who did um, a certain type of like where you don't do implants, they actually take out a piece of your belly and make that your breasts. Wow. And it's like a 12 hour surgery and he like reconnects all the capillaries and everything. Oh my gosh. So I just, I came across these awesome surgeons and set up my double mastectomy. I was super prayerful about it. I mean, it's such a big decision. Oh yeah. And my cute mom was like, you don't just opt to cut off body parts. <laughs> Because she had had, like, her kidney gone, and she had, like, her, you know, like, her thyroid removed. And she's like, you don't just opt to cut off body parts. But I just, in my, I just felt that's what I needed to do. Yeah. And so I went in, and um, Dr. Reading, you know, she did the, the mastectomy, cut everything off. And then Dr. Hijawi started the reconstructive part of it all. Um, huge surgery. So and you did it all in one. Yeah, well, I mean, it, I've had five reconstructive surgeries. Oh, my gosh. So, but, like, the start of it, right? So, they put these, like, they actually wire onto your rib cage a bag, and then they slowly, like, you have to go in um, every every few weeks, and they just slowly fill it up with mm. liquid mm -hmm. so, that, so that you can get, like, basically stretching you to the size you want to be. Yeah. So that your skin doesn't thin out and yeah. whatnot. And so, it was a long process, but I remember the day after my mastectomy... Dr. Reading called and she said, you were right to do a double mastectomy. She said, we found over an inch of aggressive cancer where the clip was. Oh my gosh. So in nine months from the mistake where he had left the clip to where I had my mastectomy, my cancer had grown over an inch of aggressive cancer. And she's like, you made the right decision. Oh my gosh. Which was like, oh my gosh, thank you. Because that's like, I just like got rid of like a yeah, really important saved your life. part of my life, you know, but... Um, yeah, and then just had five, you know, five reconstructive surgeries. Um, I had an unfortunate, <laughs> my my fourth surgery was like the last. Well, why'd you have five? So you so you go in and they put the expanders on and then they slowly expand them up to mm -hmm. your size and mm -hmm. then you have to go in and they cut the expanders out and put in just a movable implant. Okay. And so with my breast, they do um, cadaver skin. So they, they make a little pocket because they cut all of your breast tissue out. So basically Watch you're just mic. left with, oh, sorry. Ooh. <laughs> She's very handy. I love it. <laughs> but um, yeah, they, so you have these, you have cadaver skin that they place and the cadaver skin, like over time, your cells will grow into mm. the cadaver cells mm. and it'll create a little pocket for your implant. Okay. So your implants don't like push down into your belly, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's like a fun party trick. <laughs> So anyway, so um, the second surgery, they go in and they like put the implants in yeah. 
And then um, there were a couple of things. Um, they also do like a little bit of belly liposuction mm. so that they can fill in the top of your breast to give it the so slope. This, this whole thing is just part of the process. It it's wasn't all like part of the, okay. yeah, it's part of the process. It's just a long process to like look somewhat normal, yeah. right? Yeah. Because you take out all your breast tissue and then you pop these little bubbles in and then you're like straight, bubbled, straight. And so they'll do like, they'll take your own fat and they'll graft it into the top so you have a nice slope just to make it look normal. Yeah. And it does, I mean, one thing that I heard people say all the time, and and listen, like, I've gone through so many things, and my sister-in-law always says, it's better to say something imperfectly than nothing per imperfectly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I love that because people are just trying to help. Like, people will say dumb things, yeah. and that you're just, like, you, like, leave, and you're like, that was so inconsiderate. But I had so many people that were like, oh, it's a good excuse for a boob job. And I'm like, that's not this helpful. This isn't a boob job. Yeah. Like, like if you saw, like this is a train wreck that yeah. I'm trying to like make look normal so I can feel like a woman. Right. Um, but, but you know what? I'm so glad that people say dumb things because it means that they don't, they've never been through it. And yeah. I don't want people to go through yes. it. Yes. So like when people say dumb stuff, this is my advice. Just be grateful that they don't know because you don't want people to know what suicide is like or what um, cancer is like or losing a parent. Like, just be grateful that somebody's saying anything because mm -hmm. some people don't know what to say, so they don't say anything mm -hmm. at all. And, mm -hmm. like, my cancer journey was really lonely, like, really lonely. Mm -hmm. it, because, I don't know, I think people are nervous to ask or people don't know what to say or people don't realize, like, how hard it was. Yeah. Like, it is. Well, because you, you're so such hard. a, you, you're uplifting and you've got a positive attitude, but. On the inside, you're scared and hurt. Yeah, and it and it affects a lot. Like, um, like I don't have any feeling like from from here down to here. Like I mm. have no feeling even into my armpits. Like there's zero feeling, mm. and it's hard. Like yeah. it's hard. It's messy looking. You know, I mean, it's it's hard. So my fourth surgery I had was going to be my last. Yeah. And um, you know, you have to wait like the six weeks until you like get back into normal living. And I just, I'm one of those people, like, I'm pretty high to pain tolerance. Mm -hmm. I kind of try to prove, like, I'm tough. Like, I can do a lot. And it was, like, the 4th of July. And I was just swimming with my kids, throwing them up in the air a little. And I just felt a rip. And I, like, it scared me. I'm like, I just, like, felt a rip like that. And it hurt. Like, it hurt so bad, my right side. And so went throughout the night, like, continued doing family stuff. When I went home... I, as I was changing, I looked down and there was like an indent, like, a, like I could put my finger like in this indent and I'm like, I just totally messed up my surgery, like totally oh messed up. Like I didn't know what I did. So I called my surgeon, went in and he was like, I don't know exactly what's going on, but we have to reopen you up and we have to see like something is obviously wrong, like sent pictures and everything. So fifth surgery went in. I had torn the cadaver skin oh in my half. Gosh. Oh my I gosh! I ripped it. Had, at that um, point, had it become like your cells? Like yeah, it, so like, it was painful. Somewhat, but not like. I mean, mm. it was still healing, right? Yeah. And so I had completely torn. How long everything. after your surgery then was that? Like seven weeks. Okay. So then I'm back into a fifth surgery, oh right? My gosh. So I go back in surgery. And sir, sure enough, ripped. He's like, I have never seen someone rip the cadaver skin like that. Of course, right? Of course it's like, you. That was me. It's like, <laughs> of course you haven't. Like, first you've never seen the clip left. Yeah. And now it's yeah. like, you've never seen someone rip the cadaver. Because it's supposed to be like super yeah. amazing. Yeah. 
And like the the nurse who's my really good friend, um, over you know over the time of getting to know her and being at the office and stuff, we became good friends. She's like, that's crazy. She's like, I'm shocked at Rick. And so then I was on lockdown for like like four five months. I couldn't lift my arms above my head. Like, and she's a hairdresser. Yeah, so. it was so it was crazy, and it's so hard for me to just like let people do things for me. Like, if you want to get a box down, like I couldn't. Like, it was rough, but. Dr. Hujawi said, he said, if you, if this doesn't work out, you have to start from zero. You have to start with the mastectomy again. You have to go and clear everything out. Oh and he's gosh. like, and I don't even know if that would work. Oh my God. So it was like, I had to like lock it down. But anyway, so yeah, it's, it's been a crazy journey. And, um, you know, I like, after you have all of that done, you don't do mammograms anymore. You just more self check mm. cause you don't have breast tissue. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's just, you know, it's, there's scares like you know, like I felt a little lump um, last year under my armpit and I was just like, oh my gosh, like my cat, what if my cancer's back? And like you panic and um, went and had a CT scan and I have all these like little spots on my lungs that they're watching. And so like it just, once you have a cancer diagnosis, it messes with your brain. Oh, I'm sure. Because now I'm like, oh, like I have these little spots and I've had them checked since, you know, like every six months I have these little spots checked to make sure that they're not growing. And they're good, but it's, it's been a hard road, you know, like it's, it's like my little girl was one and a half and she's, when I was diagnosed with cancer. First grade? Yeah. Yeah. Now she's seven. Oh seven my gosh. So it's, it's a journey. It's been a journey, but it's, you know what? Like I feel so blessed. Like I, like you just, it's easy to get down about life and it's easy to just like, Oh, like go through your midlife crisis. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like the yeah. monotony of everything. Yeah. And, and, and it's easy to be overwhelmed, but I just have to remember, like I was laying in bed last night with my little boy and I was just telling him how amazing he is. He's this incredible artist and he just, he's, he's kind of insecure, you know, like mm -hmm. he's just, he's just a typical little boy who wants to fit in and he's a little insecure about things. And I just said to him, I said, Chapman, like I, my life was preserved so I could be your mom. Like, like you were blessed to me and I'm blessed to you. And like, just to be able to like watch my littles grow up is mm -hmm. like huge, mm -hmm. you know, like mm -hmm. it's so nice to like see my little nine-year-old and like what an incredible, brilliant artist he is. And my little girl who's just vibrant and full of life. Like I just, I'm grateful mm -hmm. like life, mm -hmm. you know, and it's hard to remember that because life is yeah. hard. Yeah. You I know, sometimes you're like, oh, I did, I want to be preserved for all of this like right. difficulty, right? you know, but, um, I just think it's interesting, like one thing my mom had said like during her cancer journey is she had prayed and just, you know, like just pleaded with the Lord to allow her to live longer. She just wanted to like watch, watch her kids grow up and watch her grandbabies grow up. And one thing that she had said, and I hope she doesn't mind me sharing this, but she said that she just really felt strongly that the Lord would allow her more time, but that she would, she would also it would be hard because she would also have to watch mm. her kids suffer. Mm -hmm. And, and that has been the case. Um, like you had mentioned, my, my brother who is closest in age to me, their little girl passed away almost two years ago. She died in her sleep and it sucks. Like yeah. it's so hard, like, you know, to get a phone call. And she was like how that. old? Um, she, I think she would, was five, five years old. Five and, or they, six. And, and, and they don't know why she had special needs and, um, but no, totally unexpected. Like mm -hmm. I was at work, um, I was mixing color. My brother calls me, I put, put it on speakerphone and mm -hmm. he tells me that, that Bridget had passed in the night and it was devastating. 
Because you're doing hair, like, like, like in the night. Like we were at dinner the night before laughing and talking, and they had just come into town, and 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 the next day, like, you get this news that she passed, and, like, it's devastating. Like, it hurts, mm. you know? And it's mm -hmm. just like, it's like, okay, like, you... Just blow you, after blow. Yeah, after like, blow. you, I mean, you probably feel this way with your family. Yeah. Like, you know, like, when you're just stuck in a wave and you're trying to, like, you just take a breath and then another wave hits you, like, that is really how it has been for my family. Mm -hmm. And just watching the resilience of of my family, like, we are, like, a heavier group of people. You know, like, we, we kind of mourn the loss of, like, the lighthearted, like, we used to get together as family and just, like, everyone wanted to be, like, part of the Ethingtons because we were fun and, like, yeah, <laughs> and we true. still have fun, but... It has been, life has been just so heavy for us. And, and I know it's heavy for everybody. And I wouldn't say that like everyone's difficulties, like one thing that people always say, well, someone has it worse, which I hate that. Because yeah. it's like, yeah. but guess what? Like my bad, it may not be as bad. <laughs> it may not be as bad as like what other people have gone through, but it's been really yeah. hard for me. Yeah. You know, so don't like diminish right. what somebody's going through. Right. Like, well, at least you have X, Y, Z, or at least you have eight healthy kids, or you know, because it's like, but guess what? Like, I know, I know. Well, it's, it's like hard. when your little little girl comes down bawling and having a temper tantrum because her Barbie head came off, and you're like, it's no big deal to her. It's yeah. a big deal. Like that's her Barbie. <laughs> <laughs> you know, her favorite Barbie. So, but I do, you know, like I feel like it has made me more empathetic, and I feel like it just, like Brian had. Um, Brian had given me a blessing, like, I, I know this isn't like a no, LDS drip, I know, I'm like, I don't want to like be overly, yeah, yeah, you know, no, sharing, but um, in our church, like, the men will give you blessings, and we believe that they're inspired um, by God, that it's it's kind of communication, and um, one thing that Brian told me in a, one or two of my blessings that I had since I found out I had cancer, was that my journey would make me more empathetic. And that people would be able to relate to me more because of it and vice versa. Mm. And I have seen that. Like, it has been so huge for me just to be able to talk with people and and just to let people know, like, it's, it is hard. Yeah. You know, but, yeah. but, like, life goes on and there's so much joy to be found. And you just have to snag joy from, like, the little moments. Right. right. You know, it's and it's hard good. sometimes. Well, I'm running low on my battery. So, and I don't want to lose any of this, but tell them really quick what you ended up doing that was like, oh, had us all talking <laughs> at <Yes>! the gym. <laughs> I know. <laughs> my family makes fun of me a little because, um, so my plastic surgeon had brought it up several times. He said, do you have any plans to do like nipple reconstruction or like reconstructive tattooing? And I was like, I've never... I don't, I didn't think I cared. I was like, it like, listen, this is a mess. Like I'm used to it. It's totally so what fine. you guys have to understand is that on her breast, it is just flesh. Like it's just skin. There's yeah. no nipple. Because you have to keep in mind that like your nipples, as you know, they have their, they have breast tissue. They're so interconnected with the inside of your breasts that it's all tissue. And so, so I she like looks like, like a Barbie. Yeah, like there was not yeah, just nothing. a Barbie. Yeah, just there's no nipple, just a slit mm. and skin. Mm -hmm. And I honestly, I didn't really think it bothered me. Like I just, you said the fact, like I had breast cancer. Yeah, my boobs are a little wonky. Like yeah. that's just the way it is. Um, but my cute husband, like every now and again, he would be like, "Do you have any interest in doing the tattoo?" He's like, "I think you would love it." And I was like, "I'm fine." And then after he asked a few times, I'm like, "Maybe he would love it." <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm like, maybe he's asking because he would like it. So anyway, I called the guy. His name is Mike Johnson, and he is so good. He has. He says he has people fly to him all over the world. And he's here in Utah. He's a tattoo artist. Um, who specializes Never mind. in... The thumbnail is going to be nipple tattoos. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> nipple tattoos. So I go to him and I just have this consultation and I just give him the heads up. I'm like, I don't really care. Like, I'm here because more, I think my husband might like it. Um, and he was like, everybody says that. All women say that they don't care, but it is life-changing. I promise you it's life-changing. And so we made my appointment one hour, like like an hour or less, really? in and out, like 3D tattooing. Oh like, my gosh. But not like phenomenal. Like he's like, hey, go to the mirror and look at it. And I almost got teary-eyed because I was like, oh my goodness. Like you like, realized what was going on. I, I realized that I just never looked at myself in the mirror anymore. Mm. Like I just, because it was so weird and it just felt weird. But then just like seeing it all come together and like it looks 3D. I showed Julie because she was like, can I see it? I did. I wanted to see it. Yeah. And it looks like, I'm like, I had yeah, to like. like you have look. to like look twice. Yeah. Like you have to turn to the Follow side and be like, oh, that's not 3D. But so the tattooing, like it just was kind of the icing on the cake for me of like just feeling like back to normal as yeah. much as I could. Yeah. And so anyway, Mike Johnson, he's amazing. I and totally recommend forget, it. She had to sit upright for it, right? Yeah, I so mean, he's yeah. just right here, like, <laughs> and he's like has like all these like mini pictures of nipples <laughs> on his computer. I'm like, this is so awkward. <laughs> he's like looking at all these nipples, and, and but he you're is like Brian, so, don't come to this appointment. Uh, yeah, I'm like, this is a little awkward, but he's so good, and he's like, he did such a phenomenal job. So it's been it's been oh, awesome. I'm so glad so, that's so awesome. So life to, goes to, on. To wrap right? it up, what would you? I mean, like. How did this make you more of a gritty mama? You know what? I think that just, like I said, like, I think that we just try so hard to like live in comfort and be comfortable. Mm -hmm. But I think just sometimes like allow discomfort to come into your life. And I just, I don't know. Like my mom is, is so resilient. Like I don't know anyone more resilient than my mom. Like she lost twins, um, like her first babies. Like she just has always been so resilient. And I don't know if I learned that, if I was, if, if you're born with, I don't mm. know. Like, I just, I think for me, like one thing that I have read and just like reading about resilience is to be grateful. Mm. And that's one thing that I've really practiced. Like I always, like, I just will always say prayers of gratitude and I try to, you know, if there's a beautiful sunset, I'll say a quick prayer and just be like, thank you. Like for blessing me with this sunset. Like, I think that when you have a mindset of gratitude, yes, it's so much easier to be um, resilient because I think that like you see people who, who dwell and I'm not saying like, I mean, there are hard things and like, I'm not saying that you should just like bounce back up. Like I, I've had my share of mm -hmm. sorrows and tears mm -hmm. and fr even still with all of my, everything that I've had, I mean, you go through loss. Like I still miss my dad. Like yeah. I, you know, you have all of these things, but, but I really believe that like we go through things to make us stronger mm -hmm. and like, you don't know who you would have been without it. So gratitude, honestly, like just try to find the good in what you have, you know, and it's hard and it's okay to be sad. It's okay to mourn the loss. It's okay yeah. to cry and yeah. it's okay to sit in that. Yeah. But, but don't sit in it too long, right. you know, like, right. like, well, it's like some people have, uh, they're grateful that they passed so quickly and they didn't have to suffer. But then there's also a blessing in the life being preserved too. Yeah. 
you know, and it's with your, with your with your mom, with Michael, with you. I mean, there's purpose. Well, and it's true. Like my mom was, my mom's an amazing artist and she will sit with my kids and work on art with them. And then, you know, like she did their reflections pictures and we're, we just submitted pictures into this holiday art show. And, and when I'm around my mom, I'm just like, sometimes I have to sit back and be like, Oh my gosh, like, I can't believe that my mom is still here. I really didn't think she would be here, Mm. you know? And I'm like, here's my mom. Like my kids know her so intimately. Like, yes, she's been through so much hard. And she has fought, like fought so hard to live and she has had rough things. Mm -hmm. But like, I don't think that she, I mean like her life hasn't been easy, but she's still here. Right. And my kids know, I mean like how hugely blessed are we? And same with my brother. Right. You know, like the fact, every time I'm with Michael, I'm just like, he's so grateful that we still have him. And well, and I think Laura, that your kids will say the same about you. Uh, yeah, that I know. You're still here. That you <laughs> I hope they're there will. for them and I think like them. I know like just to finish up, I the one thing that like I have heard people say is like it's kind of hard to hear people like for me what I guess what I'm trying to say is it's hard to hear some people be like, "Oh, like my mom's life was preserved." And then someone's sitting there, "Well, why was my mom's right. life not preserved?" Right. And I just want to touch on that a little because the way that I spin my whole life journey is sounds really positive and it sounds really like wow like the lord has intervened so many times and like blessed her so much well where why was i not blessed right but i think that a lot of that honestly could be an attitude thing right Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. because i could go through my whole story and also make it feel really low and debbie downer yeah and i think so i i just want to say like i don't think that i don't want to come off and sound like oh my gosh we've been so blessed and like Mm -hmm. we're so awesome and like we've had all these tender mercies like we still have had so many hard, like we've had so many things that weren't, mm. you know, like losing my niece. Mm-hmm. That wasn't, there was no tender mercy there, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. but I just, had I don't want it. anyone to feel bad that like, wow, like I'm glad her story has been no, so good. If anything, I think it, people it, feel that yeah, way, you know, but if anything, it helps even me <clears throat> to instead dig. If you have to dig, that's what, that's why the logo for gritty is, is in the shape of a shovel. You have to dig to find the good sometimes you have to dig to find like Like, what's the inside silver lining to all of this because otherwise we'll just wallow in grief and shrivel up and 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 die emotionally could i mean i could sit and be like i have no feeling like it's changed so much like it's it sucks like it's so hard like i look weird like you know like it feels weird like you know like i could go and just like really sit in the negative Mm -hmm. but but then i could also just be like guess what like my body is just like, I'm, I'm here for mm-hmm. my kids. Like who mm-hmm. cares what my body looks like, right. you know? And, right. and like, yeah, it's numb, but I just think that like, you know, I just don't want any, I just know that I've had people mention that to me, like that it's hard to sit and listen to someone and be like, yeah, like I'm I, so blessed. yeah, like, Oh, like, like I was saved from this car accident and they're sitting there just have lost their right. mom in an accident, right. you know, but like we all have trials yeah. and trials are hard for everybody. Yeah. And yeah. just, yeah. Like, Get your shovel and find the good. Right, that's right. My, that's my advice. Maybe <laughs> I'm not perfect at it. Maybe you should interview Brian next and be like, she's not as positive. She's, <laughs> no, she but cries. There's, she... there's something to be said about that. And also, let's not forget, like, there's also the will of God. And if it's someone's time to go, it's their time. It's like my mom didn't want to lose her seven-year-old no. boy to bee stings. There's no tender mercy there, except for that maybe no. his life was prolonged a little bit because he had already had a kidney disease. But... 
it's all in the way you look at it. And I am not preaching this because I am not good at it. I mean, unless, we're all learning. Unless I'm sitting in her chair and she, I'm like, oh, I'm so positive. I need, no. I need more of that in my life. But no. thanks for coming on the podcast. This going to help a lot of people. I know um, I'll have a lot of messages about this. So I think people are going to probably be wanting Dave Johnson's name and number. Yes. Seriously, he's so good. <laughs> I mean, he's awesome. All right, you and guys. And he does normal tattooing, too. That's so. right. <laughs> Look, see, she looks fabulous. Oh, that's Checking so out, nice. Checking out the bus I, here. My, my big old sweater. <laughs> <laughs> All right, over and out. It's the Julie Jepson <laughs> Podcast. You. See ya. Oh, that's awesome. <sighs>